Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. Would you open your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5? and verse 18, and you have your notes there. We just taught about Thanksgiving. We could teach about Thanksgiving for probably 50 weeks, but we only did a four-week lesson on this. And here's the key lessons on Thanksgiving I just wanted to read over these. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, where you turn in your Bibles, 518 was our text, and it says, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. Can you say it out loud? In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. And the five key lessons are this. Thanksgiving is a vital part of our everyday life and pleases God. Number two, Thanksgiving keeps us humble, recognizing God and others. Thanksgiving keeps us humble. How many would say over your own life or maybe over your neighbor's life, they need to stay humble? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thanksgiving keeps us humble. In Psalm 100, verses 3 and 4, it says, Know that the Lord, he is God. It's he who made us and not we ourselves. So he says, so enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Why? Because it's not all about you. It's not all about me. It's all about God. Number three, thanksgiving is a sign of spiritual health and thanks. If you find a person who can't give thanks, there's something wrong with them. Thanksgiving's a sign of spiritual health. In the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 21, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. So as a result, their minds became dark and confused. Why? They couldn't thank God. It wasn't about God. So their minds became dark and confused. In Ephesians 5, 4, it says, neither filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Can I tell you, giving of thanks shows spiritual health in a believer. And then number four, thanksgiving not only is appropriate after the answer, but before and during times of prayer. And 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph, not just leads us to triumph, but there's triumph, there's victory on the way. And so we thank God. Remember the two examples, Jesus with the feeding of 5,000 before the miracle, he gave thanks. Lazarus, before the raising from the dead, he stopped and he gave thanks. It's important for us to give thanks before the miracle and before we see what we're praying for. That's why it's called faith. And we give thanks, it's a, uh, so it's appropriate not just after, but b- before and during. And then number five, that thanksgiving increases our capacity to receive from God. Remember in Psalm 78, he says to these people who were complaining and not thanking God, he says, you've limited the Holy One of Israel. And I can tell you, I know that I've limited God a time or two in my life. And I know that none of us want to limit God in our lives. And one way to not limit him and to increase our capacity to be able to receive is to stay in a spirit of thanksgiving. With those five points, can you just stop and thank God with me right now? Say, thank you, Lord. Now, remember, not being thankful, that's internal, that's a hard attitude. We're saying give thanks, which is out of your mouth. So this week I was in the car and I was taking my kids to school and I said, hey, let's pray today. And they go, and I didn't hear a word in the car. And I said, hey, I don't hear you. And, you know, one of them said, well, I'm not praying to you. And I thought, oh, man, 
going to need another lesson, <laughs> you know. I said, I know you're not, but I'm responsible that you're praying. Could you just make sure, come on, let's pray out loud. So we're praying on the, oh, thank you, God. This is, you know, 7 in the morning or whatever it is. But do you know it's important not just to be thankful, but to give thanks out of your mouth. Come on, one more time. Just take about 10 seconds and let's thank God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for life. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for strength. Thank you for getting me through this year. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for bringing me along. Thank you that you never leave me or forsake me in Jesus' name. Okay, so today I'm going to give you three things as we close this series. We wrap it up today. Three things that hinder you from a life of thanksgiving. Three things that hinder you from a life of thanksgiving. And there are three P's. Yeah, there's three P's, okay, about this. And I'm going to give you three stories with these. Number one is pity. Pity yourself. Self-pity. Someone says, uh-oh. Don't nudge your neighbor. Self-pity. And I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Jesus was with his disciples one day, and he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? He didn't go around and say, I'm the son of God. He went around and operated as a man, empowered and filled with the Holy Spirit, and he did all these signs and wonders. And then he sat with his closest people, and he said, by the way, I'm just taking a survey, kind of a poll. Uh, who do people say that I am? What are they saying about me? Someone says, well, some say you're the you're Elijah, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're prophet. And he said, but not people. Who do you say that I am? You've been with me all the time. And then Peter piped up and he said, you're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the one that we've been waiting for. You're the son of the living God. Jesus looked back at him and he said, oh, Peter, flesh and blood. People didn't tell you that, did they? God, the Father in heaven, revealed to you that I'm the son of God. He said, and you're Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church, the rock of the revelation of Jesus Christ. He said, I'll build my church, and he kind of like talked about Peter, and, P and Peter's probably, I can imagine Peter saying, that's right, man, finally somebody recognized me. Somebody understands my spiritual gift. Sometimes, finally someone understands what I'm saying, right? They're, they're, they're kind of getting it. And so Peter's on, I believe, a little bit of a spiritual high right here. He's, you know, excited about it. Well, then we come to this verse right after. Look at this, in Matthew chapter 16 verse 21 from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and raised on the third day now Jesus was walking with Peter and walking with all of his disciples and then he says hey guys guess what they're like what's next and he goes what's next is I'm gonna go to the chief priests and the chief priests are gonna kill me and they're all kill me what no 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 so Peter you know you could imagine Peter just went through this thing Peter's like the Bible says he stepped him aside. He took him aside. He said, Master, come, get, come over here. Let me, let me help you out for a minute since I'm the one who got the revelation about who you are. Let me tell you a little bit more about what you're supposed to do, right? So it says Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Could you imagine rebuking Jesus? That's a sad day. He says he began to rebuke him saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. Notice he took him aside. What? He took him aside. He was probably... He's probably all excited about this. Then in verse 23, it says, he turned and he, Jesus turned to Peter right after he told Peter, God showed you this revelation. Look how, how great you are. He turned to Peter and he said, get behind me, Satan. Satan? Thought he just said God showed him something. Can I tell you, just because you got a revelation from God today doesn't mean that Satan can't get a hold of you tomorrow. Right? You have to watch the voices you're listening to on a daily 
basis, on a daily basis. So he said, get behind me, Satan. Why was Jesus so harsh? I mean, calling someone Satan? I couldn't imagine, you know, coming up, someone says something I don't like, and they're like, get over here, Satan. You know, Satan, dude, you're, you're, you're going to the next level here. Calling me Satan? You know, why was he so harsh? Well, in the Young's literal translation, it says, and having taken him aside, Peter began to rebuke him, saying, be kind to yourself, sir. This shouldn't happen to you. In the margin there, it says, pity yourself. Jesus, uh, Peter's trying to encourage him and console him. He's trying to say, think about yourself, Jesus. I mean, I know you're always thinking about others and healing others and doing these things for others. But think about yourself. Jesus, you don't deserve that. Jesus, you don't deserve death. He's trying to, like, console him and help him out. And what did Jesus do? Jesus says in verse 23, get behind me. Why was he so strong? I'll tell you, because this was serious to Jesus. Peter was yielding to the devil. Peter was yielding to the devil to try to console him with self-pity and get him to go away from the plan of God in his life. In the New Living Translation, it says, get away from me. Satan, you're a dangerous trap to me. He says to Peter in New Century Version, it says, you're not helping me. Get away from me, Satan. You're not helping me. In the New uh, American Standard, it says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. He's telling Peter, what you're saying is hurting me. I know you're trying to console me. I know you're trying to get me to have self-pity. I know you're trying to get me to watch out for myself. I appreciate it, but you're hurting me. In God's word translation says, get away from me, Satan. You're tempting me to sin. He says, you aren't thinking the way God thinks, but the way humans think. Why was Peter's statement so dangerous? I'll tell you why, because Jesus was already dealing with the thought. Jesus was already dealing with the thought of, I shouldn't have to do this. You see all these people I'm healing? You see all these people that are being set free? You see the crowds that are coming out? Because Jesus was already dealing with it, and you say, wait, wait, how do you mean Jesus? Was Jesus tempted? Well, we know that Jesus was tempted when he was led into the wilderness by Satan. It says he was tempted, which means it wasn't just some play. It was his flesh really wanted to do one thing, and his spirit knew he needed to do something else. Remember in the Garden of Gethsemane when he sweat drops of blood? He was, he was going through so much anxiety. And he said, not my will, but your will be done. You know what that means? There was two wills. Jesus didn't want to die. But he wanted to fulfill the plan of God in his life. And what, what Peter was giving into was Peter was coming over and saying, think about yourself, Jesus. I know there's the plan that you're saying and all that stuff. But think about yourself, Jesus. Self-pity can jack you up. Self-pity can take you away from thanksgiving in your life. Why was Peter's statement so dangerous? Because Jesus was, was already dealing with it. Peter was a danger to him. Self-pity is dangerous. Church, let me tell you, self-pity is dangerous. Look at your neighbor and say, self-pity is dangerous. Yeah. To not do the will of God and feel sorry for ourselves. You cannot, listen, you cannot be thankful and feel sorry for yourself at the same time. Church, you cannot be thankful and pity yourself and feel sorry for yourself. Victimize yourself at the same time. If you are in self-pity, you're not in a spirit of thanks. You're in a spirit of getting for you. Well, I didn't get what was mine. I didn't get what I deserve. But I'll tell you, when you're thankful, you're saying, I don't, I'm glad I didn't get what I deserve because what I deserve is hell and judgment, right? Somebody say, yeah, what I'm getting is the grace of God. How many are glad that we're saved by grace and not by works? How many are saved that we, glad that we don't get what we deserve at times? 
So he's saying to here, you're a danger to me. You're causing me to stumble here. You cannot be thankful and feel sorry for yourself at the same time. It's a danger to you too. If it was a danger to Jesus, it's a danger to you and I. People trying to console you when you're feeling sorry for yourself, cut them off. People that come to you and say, you don't deserve that. You you know what? They're not your friends. People that want to come and just make you feel like, you know what you deserve? You deserve. No, 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 no. They're not your friends. No, no, no. Cut them off. What we need to do is we need to be in a place where our heart is full of thanksgiving to God. We're not feeling sorry for ourselves. You can't feel sorry for yourselves and be thankful at the same time. I wish I had more time to teach on that. Peter said to Jesus, think about you. Don't think about the plan of God. So let me make these two statements about number one, then I'll go on to number two. Thanksgiving keeps you in the humble place of I receive. Thanksgiving keeps you in the humble place of I receive. Self-pity puts you in a place of I deserve. Self-pity says I deserve. A place of grace is a place where I receive from you, Lord. Number two, provide for yourself. What's number two? Provide for yourself. Let me tell you about this old man in the Bible. His name's Abraham. He's called Father Abraham. Uh, He's kind of Grandpa Abraham. He's an older man in, 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 in the Bible. Now, Abraham, God made this promise to him. He said, I want you to get out of your country, and I want you to go to this land that I'm going to promise you. And he says, I promise you're going to have kids. Now, the problem was Abraham was old. Abraham was like 80-something years old at the time. And it, really, it was years before he received the promise, okay? If, he, if that wasn't, you know, enough, he looked over his wife, and she's old, okay? Now, not only was she old, she was barren, too. She couldn't have kids, The doctors told her or whatever, you can't have kids. So she was old and barren. So here's what happens. We're talking about things that are barriers to thanksgiving in your life, providing for yourself. So what happened in Romans 4, let me just read this. Romans 4, 17, you can look on your sheets. It says, as it is written, God said to Abraham, I have made you a father of many nations. Now in the natural, was was Abraham a father already? He wasn't. But he said, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believe that God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Who contrary to hope and hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. I want you to notice in verse 17, he says, I have made you a father of many nations. God promised to Abraham that he would make him a father. And notice what God does. God speaks to things that are not existent, and he speaks to them as if there was the answer was into existence. That's why many times when you pray, God will speak the answer to you, and you say, well, I get that, and I appreciate that, but I almost feel like you're just dangling it out in front of me, like I'm not going to, I don't know how that would happen. Well, that's why it's called faith. Abraham had to listen to the promises of God. So what happened? He said, I have made you a father of many nations. And then in verse 18, just to break down these words, you'll see them underlined. It says that Abraham believed and so he became according to what was spoken. Listen to those terms because this will happen over and over in your life and in my life. Abraham believed and so he became according to what was spoken. Listen to those three things. Abraham believed, and so he became. In other words, he believed what was not. He believed that it was. He believed what God said. Abraham believed, and so he became, according to what was spoken. I don't believe that you can just have faith in faith. Our faith is only in the word of the Lord. So the very first thing we need to have faith in is find out what God said to you. 
One word from God will change everything. Why? Because if God said it and we believe it, it'll happen. Abraham believed and so he became what was spoken. And then in verse 19, it says here, and not being weak in faith, listen to this, and this is where we get number two from. He did not consider his own body. He did not consider his own body. You could say he did not consider his old worn out body. Already dead since he was about 100 years old. And the deadness of Sarah's womb, that's kind of cold, saying the man's already dead, right? He's 100 years old. Well, some things were dead, right? I mean, his childbearing stuff was dead, right? Says he was, he, he, he was already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. In the Amplified, it says this. Listen to this. He kind of breaks it down. Same verse. He did not weaken. Abraham did not weaken in faith when he considered the utter impotence of his own body, which was as good as dead. <laughs> he was about 100 years old. And when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's deadened womb, Abraham was a hundred, he had a hundred year old body and he, it wasn't working like it was before. Sarah was already barren when she was young and now she's barren and old. So the Bible says that he looked at the promise and then he looked at himself and then he looked at his wife and then he looked at the promise and he looked at himself and he looked at his wife and he said, we're in trouble, right? So what did he do? He said, I can't consider me and her. I can't look to us because we don't have what it takes to produce. We're already past our years. And even when we were in our years, we weren't producing. So the Bible says that he did not consider his own body. Abraham did not consider his body or the deadness of Sarah's womb. Their body could not provide the answer that God had promised. Their bodies could not provide the answer. So instead of himself, what did he consider? Well, it says in verse 20, he did not waver at the promise of God. Somebody say out loud, the promise of God. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened in faith, and he gave glory to God, and he was fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. So notice, Abraham didn't consider his body or his wife's body, but what did he consider? He considered the promise of God. He considered what God already said. Can I tell you, some of you need to pull back out your journals or pull back out your notes or pull back out those things that God spoke to you, and you think they're dead, and you think they're there's no way you can bring them to pass. And you think that was years ago and God's changed his mind now. Listen, the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. In other words, they're irrevocable. He can't, he's not going to pull them back. If God made a promise to you, hold on to it. And you might say, I don't have the paper that I have. Well, you have the promise. Write it back down. Read it. Hold on to the promise and quit considering your circumstance. Their bodies could not provide the answer. So he considered the promise of God. Can I tell you, there's often a gap between what God said and what we see. There's often a gap, how many could attest to that, between what God said and what we see. And so what do we do? You stop looking at what you see and you start considering the promise of God. So how was he strengthened in faith? I want you to read it in the word. He was strengthened in faith, listen what he said, giving glory to God. He thanked God for the results. He thanked God for the results. In the Amplified, it says, no unbelief or distrust made him waver, doubtedly questioned concerning the promise of God. But listen to this. He grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. Praise and giving glory to God made him strong and made him powerful. He staggered 
It says in the JFB commentary, he staggered, he hesitated not, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, that God was able to make good on his word despite of the obstacles. Notice he didn't look at the obstacles, but he looked at the promises of God. I could just imagine him discouraged. Years had passed since God had made him the promise. And now he's getting older, and he's getting older. Sometimes we feel that way. God, I'm, you know, I'm not getting younger. I'm getting older. Time's passing. Things are moving ahead. Things are moving on. If you didn't do it 10 years ago, how could you do it now? If you didn't fulfill this years ago, how are you going to fulfill it now? God, I'm not making any progress. And so what did it say? It said that he began to give glory to God. He began to say, God, I thank you that you're going to work it all out. God, I thank you that I I don't know how my body's working or I don't know how my wife's body's working, but I thank you, Lord, that you're going to work it all out. And somebody in here needs to thank God that God's working it all out. Come on, somebody just right where you are, just say, thank you, God. Come on, right where you are, just say, thank you, God, that you're working it out. I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it. God, and I look at myself, and I I see inadequacy, and I look at myself, and I see that I don't have enough sometimes. But, God, you have enough. You're going to work it all out. Somebody needs to receive that today. And then number three, number three, what's a barrier to thanksgiving? It's trying to prove yourself. Trying to prove yourself. And I want to tell you about the Apostle Paul, but first of all, in Psalm 115, verse 1, it says, Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us. In fact, read this out with me. Could you say it? Not unto us, O Lord. Not unto us. But to your name give glory. Because of your mercy and because of your truth. Not unto us. When you're trying to get the glory, it's difficult to give thanks. When you're trying to get glory, it's difficult to give thanks. Let me say it again. When you're trying to get glory, it's difficult to give thanks. Thanks. Trying to prove yourself comes with pressure on you to perform. How many have ever been in a situation where you, you just felt like, man, I don't, I don't feel like I have what it takes, but I got to get in there and prove myself. Anybody ever felt? And the pressure that it comes with, the anxiety that it comes with, the feeling that it's all on me, and if I don't make it happen, it's not going to work. But can I tell you, that whole pressure is not from the Lord. That whole pressure is not from the Lord, and I'll tell you what it'll do. It'll eliminate thanksgiving in your life. I'll tell you what's a whole lot better. Do what Abraham did and say, God, I don't, I don't even know if I have what it takes. In fact, I'm pretty convinced that I don't. But, Lord, I come and I thank you that your grace is more than enough. Come on, come on. Somebody say this today. Your grace is more than enough. Your grace is sufficient for me. Somebody needs to say it today. Your, God, your grace is sufficient for me. Your grace is sufficient for me. And then point... This point number three, prove yourself. Let me tell you about Paul. Paul in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1, it says, Paul, an apostle, not from men, nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead, to whom be glory forever and ever. Let me tell you why why this is so important. He's saying, Paul, I'm an apostle, not from men, nor through men. See, In the book of Matthew, chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, it says that Jesus appointed disciples. He also called them, in verse 2, apostles. He said these were the 12 disciples and the 12 apostles. Well, then when Jesus left, these guys were kind of in charge because they were like his main men. They were the ones who were the initial, the first first level, uh, you know, apostles and disciples that he had. And so what happened? God calls Paul on the scene. And Paul comes up and they go, Paul, who's Paul? Were you one of the, were, I thought it was Matthew, um, Peter, um, you know, um, 
you know, he, name, he names off all of these different ones. I, I don't see Paul in that equation. And so when Paul would say something, he wouldn't have the validation. When, when God told Paul, I want you to go preach to the Gentiles, don't preach to here, they would say, well, wait a minute, that's not what Jesus, I know Jesus told us eventually we would go out and do that, but Jesus kind of stayed to his own people. Who are you? So you know what Paul does? He writes to the church and he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I wasn't one of the 12, but Jesus called me as much as he called them. And he says, and I'm not an apostle from man or I'm not an apostle through man. In other words, I don't need your touch. I don't need your anointing. I don't need your oil. I don't need your hand to be on me. Jesus Christ laid his hand on me and I'm an apostle. That's why I want you to listen to me. Because why? Because if he tried to prove himself, he really didn't have the stuff to prove. How could he prove that Jesus met him on the road? So what did he say? He said, I'm an apostle from Jesus Christ. And then he went on and said in verse 5, to whom be the glory forever and ever. What is he saying? He said, and I give God the glory for making me an apostle. He wasn't one of the 12, but Paul was telling the Galatians that Jesus Christ made him an apostle, and I give Jesus all the glory. Then in the same chapter down in verse 10, he says, am I trying to win the approval of human beings? Listen, somebody needs to hear this in here today. Look at Galatians 1.10. Am I trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? Because if I were still trying to please people, I wouldn't be a servant of Christ. Somebody needs to hear that in here today. If I'm still trying to please man, then I can't please God. If I'm still trying to work it out with man and make sure they feel good about it, then I can't please God. If you're trying to prove yourself to people, you won't be able to serve God properly. If you're trying to prove yourself, your focus is on you instead of giving thanks to God. person who's trying to, to prove themselves, their mind is on them getting the approval, not on God getting the thanks. The three things that hinder you from a life of thanksgiving. Number one, self-pity. Do I often feel sorry for myself? Just stop and maybe you even need to bow your heads for a minute. Do I often feel sorry for myself? Thinking about myself, thinking I deserve more, thinking I deserve better than I, than I got. And someone, we might, let's repent of that today. Lord, we repent today of self-pity. I have all the grace that I need. Lord, and self-sufficiency, number two, self-sufficiency. Do I feel like I have what it takes or do I feel the pressure of not having what it takes? Either one aren't good. Let's say, Lord, I repent of trying to provide for myself of trying to make your plan happen in my own way, of self-sufficiency in my life. That's a big deal to God. It's a big deal. And then number three, proving yourself. Do I feel like I need to prove myself to others? When I get into a crowd, when I talk to other people, do I feel like I need to show them who I am? I need to make sure they know my calling. You don't know who you're talking to mentality. Lord, we repent and we confess of trying to prove ourselves. Come on, any one of those three things, just... Just say that. In fact, would you just open your hands to the Lord right now in this place? Come on, let's open our hands to the Lord. And I come and I say, I give you thanks. And can we in our mouths replace it for thanksgiving? Come on, it's our week of thanksgiving. But let's say, God, we thank you today. God, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your love today. Thank you for your favor today. Thank you, Lord, today. Would you confess this out of your mouth? Say, God, I thank you today for salvation. Say, I thank you for forgiving me from all of my sins. I don't deserve it, but it's all because of your grace. 
Say, I don't feel sorry for myself, but instead I receive the grace of the Lord to follow your plan for my life. Can we say, God, I thank you for providing all of my needs. Come on, open your hands to the Lord, your heart. Say, God, thank you for providing for all of my needs today. God, I don't need to worry about providing for myself. Say, Lord, you take care of me. You direct every one of my steps. Say this out. I don't need to prove myself to anyone. For God has called me by name. Come on, can we say it out loud? God, you've called me by name. Say, I don't need the approval of men because I have the approval of God. And let's declare this. This Thanksgiving will be a season of joy. It'll be a season of more than enough. It'll be a season of peace. And it'll be a season of rest. Say this last thing. I declare it over me. I declare it over my family. I declare it over my church. And I declare it over Memphis, Tennessee. In the name of Jesus. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you, and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.